Well, if you turn over into Genesis chapter 1, we're going to pick up on our creation part here. Looking mostly at the firmament, there's some interesting things about this we'll get into into them. I was thinking we are going to cover the whole chapter here, but when I saw that, I said, ah, I'd really like to get you guys to get a chance to see that. And uh, It was just a little, getting to be a little bit too much material to cover in one night and get everybody home for getting the kids in bed and stuff like that. So Let's go over again in verse 1, Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The verse 2 reads, And the earth was without form and void. We saw last time we were together that that could also be translated, The earth became without form and void. And we looked at all the verses that supported the second translation on that. And darkness was on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the earth, or the face of the waters. Now, most of you were here for the two weeks ago when we when we did these. But in order to have water, you must have heat. As far as the water being in the, in the universe is concerned, because water will not exist except in a small range of temperatures between 32 degrees Fahrenheit and 220. Now, roughly, that's roughly in there because salt water, of course, doesn't freeze at 32, but you get the idea. And as far as the universe is concerned, that is a small envelope. You need to have a sun. Something has to be giving off heat in order to have the temperature in that neck of the woods. Otherwise, it wouldn't be water. It would be gas or it would be ice. But in order for the water to be here to begin with, there has to be gravity. In order to have gravity, the sun must be in existence. The earth must be rotating around the sun. And all these things combine to have gravity so that the water stays on the earth and doesn't float away like it does on the moon. Things don't stay on the moon real well. They tend to drift off. That's why they don't have as much atmosphere and other things like that. But anyway, those are just review things. Let's pick up where we left off. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now, this, these verses of Scripture have long been said as the six days of creation. You already understand my viewpoint of this is this is not the six days of creation. This is a week-long remodeling project. <laughs> the earth was already here. It already was created perfectly. It became formless and void and God is going to remodel it back. It's only going to take a week. I don't know how long God's week is, but it's only going to take a week. We've all had remodeling people come on through said two weeks. And two weeks went into three and four. And There's uh, people out there who say that each of these days represents a thousand years and so forth. And that's, uh, that's true. Uh, that can, you know, certainly play into the end times because if there were six days of creation and one day of rest, there would then be six days of of uh, people on the earth and then one day of rest as far as the uh, uh, Christ kingdom coming in. So 7,000 years. And we are right around the 6,000 year era. We are past it, but we're right around the 6,000 year year spot. So that sometimes is what people will look at into, into those things as far as the, the timing. Now, not necessarily their a day can be a thousand years to God and a thousand years is a day. Some of these days may have been shorter than others. Some of them, maybe all of them were 24 hours. I don't know. They don't have to be 24 hours for me. They can be anything. But it says here, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Now the word is properly translated here, let, and we put in some of your, some of the um, verses, some of the words here. Bara in the Hebrew is to bring into being or to make something out of nothing. This is the actual word and the true word for create. There are two words that are sometimes referred to as create, 
But this is really the only creative word. It means to create something out of nothing. And only God can do that. We can't create something out of nothing. We can create something different out of something, but we can't create something out of nothing. But God can. That is the word bara. Then there is the word asa, which is to make out of already existing materials or to make or mold something out of existing material. It is to, to make something out of something. Not to make something out of nothing, but to make something out of something. So we have one thing over here. Let's make this. We have a bunch of raw concrete material over here. Let's mix it up, mold it up, and let's make a pool. All right, We didn't create the pool. We just made the pool out of materials that were already there. We don't go out there and see a bag of cement and say, let's make a dog. Can't do that. Might be able to make a cement dog, but not a real one. So, bara, asa, but this word here, let, and really the word is not, there's not a Hebrew word that's actually translated that, but it's a, it's a combination of things inside of the word that they bring this out. And what I'm told, again, I'm not a Hebrew person. I depend totally on other people to let me know what the Hebrew says. I don't like Hebrew that much. It's just not a language that, there aren't many languages that grab me, but some of you folks like languages and do real well with them. But the word here, let, in this chapter alone is used 13 times. Or the words that they get let out of. Used 13 times. And overall, 464 times in the remainder of the Old Testament. Each of these times, each of these times, not most of these times, but each of these times, the sense is to made appear or to made, made visible. Expressing permission and purpose in connection with already existing things. Each of these times. 464 plus 13. 477. Has no relation to the radius of the sun or the moon. (laughs) But it is a lot. 477 times. And each of those times it means that it may appear or to make visible. So this is what this is. So when the translators of the King James Bible came out and said, let there be light, it properly translated the word. Because you cannot say create light. But in this chapter, the translators are extremely wordy. Every single one of these verses carries extra words. A lot of extra words. They put words in here that are not in the text. I really don't know where they got them from. They aren't in there. But they put them in and they have held to it so long you can even find these words. In, I looked up some literal translations and the literal ones had them in there even though they aren't there. <laughs> so we'll try and go through and show you some of these as we're, we're getting through. But it says, let there be light. It's not the creation of the sun. The sun's already here because before this we had water. Which means the earth is here, rotation is here, gravity is here, warmth is here. It's just there's no light. Now, in the Word of God, there are certain things that are associated with judgment. One of the things that is associated with judgment is flooding. Another thing is fire. Another thing is darkness. These are things that are associated with judgment. They will be associated with judgment in the end times. They were associated with judgment before. So when darkness is upon the face of the earth, it is because of judgment, not because of a lack of sun. 
Let there be light is not the creation of the sun, but the reauthorization of light. It is strictly the reauthorization of light. It was not allowed to be accessing the earth. So God, whatever He did, whatever He put into play to stop the access of light to the earth, He removed that. And He allowed the light to come. I don't know what He put there. Whatever it was, it was very effective. But I have no idea what it was. God could have just said, light, stop. And that light would have come straight on up to the earth and stopped. For what I have no idea how he did it, but he's God. He did it however he wanted to. The phrase, let there be, is not in the Hebrew. Every time that you see the word, let there be, it's not in the Hebrew. Every time. It's not there. They take it out of the word light. Let there be light. They take it from the word because of some of the things that are in the word. They put it in that way. But actually, it's, it's not there. It basically says, and God said light. Or you can put it this way, God commanded light. It's basically what the Hebrew says. And when God commands light, light happens. Now the Young's literal translation, put it this way, and God saith, let light be, and light is. That's pretty, pretty good. Understand that you can't just always be literal because one language to another doesn't always work. And so sometimes they throw extra words in to try and help that out. But they really took some liberties in this and it has created some creation, some uh, confusion for us. But he says, let there be light or something along those lines. Light be and light was. And light came upon the earth. So up till then there was darkness, but then there was light. Now, the sun was in existence before. Was the moon in existence? More than likely. More than likely. We'll get to the moon, not in this this part tonight, but we will be getting down the road here. Then God said, Light be, or as it puts it here, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. This is the first day of the remodeled earth. Because up to then it had only been darkness. If it's always darkness, you don't have night and day. You just have night, darkness. That's all you have. But when light came in, now suddenly we have day. There are some places in the, in the world where they get light 24 hours a day. And then later on the other time of the year, they get darkness most of the day where they get light for an hour. They don't even see the sun. They just get light. I would not want to live in those places. I don't know why people do. I wouldn't want to do that. Going to bed when it's light out. Waking up and it's still light out. Going to work and it's still light out. Then a little few months later, you go to bed, it's dark. You get up, it's dark. Somewhere around noon or somewhere around there, you, you get a little bit of light, then it goes away. You go to work in the dark, come home in the dark. I don't know, that's just not for me. Some people like that. I like light. So God called the light day and the darkness He called night. That's why we call it day and night because God called it that. <laughs> so the evening and morning were the first day. Now we get into the really fun one. Then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Thus God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. 
And God called the firmament heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. Now, I'll bet that's all clear as a bell and we don't need to get into that much at all, right? <laughs> I mean, that sounds kind of strange, doesn't it? I mean, what in the world is going on? What is this firmament? What is it? What's it about? Now, the word I put in there, that's your, that's your Hebrew. It means a solid expanse. They either surrounded the earth completely or hovered above the earth partially. That's what this word means. It either, an expanse that either surrounded the earth completely or hovered above the earth partially. For the longest time, scientists have looked upon Genesis as being a subpar book partly because of this verse. Because they saw the Hebrews who were writing this as seeing the sky as a solid uh, solid uh, field or solid um, sphere. And they know that it's not, that it's an atmosphere. And so they looked, at, looked down upon Moses and the people who would pass this on to him as that they were less than scholarly men. And that this could not be the work of God because we know there is no solid part in the heavens. It's, there, it's just atmosphere and it goes off into space. So obviously they are wrong. And that's what they say about them. Now we know that what they are saying here, this word firmament is not the sky. Because Hebrew has a word for sky. I'm going to share that word with you in a little bit. I'm not going to tell you right now. But they have a word for sky. And God said, now here's the actual literal part of this. And God said, firmament. Or actually, God commanded firmament. God's not very wordy. You all know that already. I mean, if God gives you six or eight words, wow, He gave you a whole mess of stuff there. Most of the time, it's you know, two, three words, one word here. And God commanded firmament. In the midst or between. But really, he just, he just commands firmament. Uh, and God said firmament in the midst, which comes from the word tavak, which also could mean, or does also mean, between. And let it divide. The word there to let it divide comes from the word, one word, badal, to divide. That's what it means, to divide. And let it divide is actually meaning to divide. Waters come from the word, the Hebrew word, mayim, and sky is from Shah Mayim. See the, see the similarities? Mayim is waters. Sky is Shah Mayim. Now, how many of you want to know what Shah means? Shah is the word that gives this word the meaning of heaven. To the Hebrews, the sky and the waters were paired together. Shah Mayim. Now, the word there for Shah. I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll get back to that word here in just a minute. And God said firmament in the midst or between the waters and the sky or between the waters, the waters above and the waters below. So let's go back to the actual verse. Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Then God made the firmament. The word therefore made is the Hebrew word asa. It's made. It's not create, it's made. So God formed, which means He took already existing materials and He made the firmament out of it. He did not make the firmament out of things that were not around. So He has to, in order for this word to be used, He has to use materials 
that are around, that are there, and reform them into the firmament. That's what, and then God made, God assault, and God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And it was so is not in the Hebrew. All completely inserted. Doesn't need to be there. And it was so does not occur. So literally it goes like this. Then God commanded the firmament between the waters to divide the waters from the waters. That's really what this is. That's a far cry from what we got though, isn't it? Let me read the literal one thing again. Then God commanded the firmament between the waters to divide the waters from the waters. That's what it, that's what God did. So when God spoke to the, spoke the firmament in place, He is speaking something in place that would divide waters from below to waters up above. And this firmament is the division. Now, God called the firmament heaven, it says. This word heaven is a, spe- is a special word. It is the word Shamayim. Sky. Where we would use for sky. And God called the firmament heaven. Now, Shah, we said already, that's where you get the idea of this thing being heaven. That's where the heaven, the concept of this word comes in. But it actually also means gate. And if you literally translate this word, it is gate of the waters. Shah, mayan, gate of the waters. Shah is part of the word that means heaven, but it primarily means gate. Now, they are above the firmament. The word above comes from the Hebrew word al. And it usually means above when preceded by a verb like hovered in verse 2. Remember we had the verb hovered and the Spirit of God hovered above? That's the proper... When you have that word hovered teamed up with this word, then you translate this thing above. But when you don't have it, like you have here in verse 7, it's not paired. But here in verse 7, it's all by itself and it's better translated throughout. Instead of above, it is better translated throughout. Job chapter 26, verse 11. I want to read this to you. The pillars... Now remember Job. Job is a book that is written before Moses. Before Abraham. This is an old book. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at His rebuke. What are the pillars of heaven? The Hebrews of old or the people of old, thought that the firmament that was above the earth, that held the water, was held up by pillars. That's what was in their thinking. This firmament was fairly substantial. You could see it. And it was held up by, by, by pillars in their mind. The pillars of heaven here is not just a figure of speech. They actually believed that there were pillars. They didn't necessarily see the pillars, but they believed that there were pillars that held this thing up. In 2 Samuel 22 and verse 8, Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations of heaven quaked and were shaken because He was angry. The foundations of what? The foundations of heaven were shaken. In other words... These pillars that are holding up the firmament were shaken. 
because he was angry. What happened when Noah had this flood? God was angry. In Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the seventh day of the month, on that day all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. And the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. So what you have here is the firmament that was above that God had called, or the, the, the Word of God uses the word gate of, of the water. The gate was opened. And the water came running out. Now, we don't quite have a full picture of this just yet. And we're going to go into the next one to get the full picture. That's why I want to make sure we cover the next one. But over here in Job chapter 38, 8 through 11. This is, how many of you all went back out and read Job 38 after the last time? Anybody go out there and read that? Everybody forgot, right? Go on home, read it today. <laughs> I'm just going to read part of it here to you because I figure most of, most of you didn't uh, get out there and get a chance to do that. Or who sh- This is God talking to Job. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst forth and issued from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band? When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors? When I said, This far you may come, but no farther. And here your proud waves must stop. Who shut in the sea with doors? These global warming people who want to tell you that the sea is going to open up and it's just going to come. Uh uh. They do not know our God. When it burst forth and issued from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band. What's that talking about? Genesis chapter 1. The earth was covered in a garment of the ocean and darkness was all around it. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors, when I said, this far you may come, but no farther, and here your proud waves must stop. What we have in the the book of Genesis is all the land that was here. Remember we looked at the verses of Scripture, talked about the cities that were broken down and the earth that was there, all that's gone that the oceans covered the whole thing. And God is going to uncover this. And how God uncovers this is extremely interesting. And all three days are involved to get this thing uncovered. We're having a little bit of loop over, just like we do in the book of Revelation. It's not like one day has to stand by itself. There is some loop over that comes over with this. Genesis chapter 1, back over there. Verse 9. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens. What are the waters under the heavens? The waters under the firmament, right? The waters which we would call oceans. Be gathered together in one place. How many places are the oceans gathered together? Right now. What did God say here? In, in one place. God didn't, he didn't say seven places here, did he? He said one. Which means at this point, how many oceans do we have? Why do we have seven? Gotta think back of a number of months. Back in the book of Revelation, when we're looking over the Garden of Eden. In the days of 
Peleg, the earth was divided. Apparently, folks, up until then there was one ocean and one landmass. Possibly one landmass, but at least one ocean. Because you gathered it all in one place. But in Peleg's day, the earth was divided. That's just supposition right now. If we're going to take it literally, that he gathered it all in one place. Now, really, all the ocean is still connected. And maybe you can just look at it that way. But either way, what we're, what we're having accomplished here in verses 9 and 10 is the water that's all over the face of the earth has to pull back so that the land that it covers, because land doesn't move. Water moves. Land stays where it is. Water comes up, water comes down. So God's going to take the water level and take it down. So what's He going to do with all the water? He's not going to destroy it. He's going to do something with the water. And what He does with the water is of great interest to us. Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. Now the waters that are under the heavens are gathered together in one place. This does not mean the other places that they are going to. He wants the water that is under the heavens to be in one spot, which would be the oceans. The rest of it is going to be put in some other places. Wherever is that going to be? And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters He called seas. And God saw that it was good. So here's what you have. You have the first time the light has come upon the earth. When the light comes upon the earth, more heat comes in, but the light's able to evaporate water. He then creates the firmament to divide the water. And he makes this firmament out of water is basically what it is. So he takes all of the great amount of water that is on the earth and he sucks it right up into the firmament so that all that great mass of water is mostly now residing in the firmament. The rest of it he pulls down into the, into the depths of the earth. But he has a whole mess of water that is now circling the earth in a, in a mass that's almost described as as being solid. It's not solid, but it's almost described as as being that. Now, the scientists tell us a number of things. If you have this kind of an earth covering the, or cloud covering the earth, that you have no poles. No north pole, no south pole. Pretty much the whole earth is all the same temperature. Might be some variances here and there. Um, they say the longevity of people's lives would be lengthened because all the bad side effects of the sun are gone. You just get the good stuff. And that's why people lived to such great ages. And up until the time of Noah's flood, people lived till 700, 800, 900 years. That's a long time. I am glad I was not alive back then. That's just too long. <laughs> you know? hundred years down here, Father, that's fine. That's all we need. We're ready to go on up after that. But of course, the earth was a different place back then. Maybe they enjoyed all those 900, 800, 700 years. And you'll notice that after the time of the flood that their lifespans drastically dropped off. And this is why. It's because this firmament was here. Now, we'll get more into this into the flood. But during the time of Noah, God took part of the first judgment and store it up in the clouds. Because it actually helped man by it being up in the clouds and being making this firmament that covered the earth. So he puts the firmament in place and then he starts this firmament sucking the water right up out of the earth 
into the clouds so that the water level goes down, 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 and we got dry land. Day one, day two, day three, all tied in. They are not separate events. They all work together. He needed the light upon the earth. He needed a place for the water to go. And then He sent the water there. That's what God did. Because that's our God. And so He puts the water up into the, into the firmament. So this gathering of the waters is possible because of the firmament. We looked, at, looked over in Job. God commands the water. The water is not at our disposal. We cannot affect this water. We cannot affect this earth. We cannot affect the melting of the poles. We cannot affect the gathering of water. God did it. And God even tells Job, do you know who tells that water to go out? I do. Not you. You weren't there. And Al Gore to me is the most obnoxious, one of the most obnoxious human beings on the earth who stands before God and says, you have no say in this. Simply because he wants to make money. So now we have dry land and we have oceans. And God saw that it was good. So this is all made possible by the firmament. This is the process that was involved of day one, day two, and day three. The earth is the dry land, the seas are the water in the ocean, and the firmament is the water in the sky. And this is how you have it. When they looked up, I don't know that they ever saw the spectacular sunrises that we see. Of course, they lived a lot longer. <laughs> so sunrises, I guess, are <laughs> and sunsets can be detrimental. Nothing better I like than to go out on a sunny day, feel that sun on me, but apparently that's bad. It was better when it was, uh, when it was covered up some. But this is the process of day one, day two, and day three. So that God took all that water and sucked it up into the heavens. And then when the, when the judgment came, the, all the water was up in the heavens got dumped back down on the earth. And then God said, all right, we're not going to put it up in the heavens again. No more, no more firmament for man. No more blanket. Pulled it all away. We're just going to put this back in inside of the earth. And so he took it and found a place down inside the earth and he put it all in there and says, now you stay there. And you don't come out until I tell you to. He's not going to tell him to. Not by flood again. That's not going to happen. So these are the, these are the three days that had gone on. Now we've got some more days and the other days are involving some other things. But these three days are so tied in to get the earth into the, the place that it needed to be. And this is how awesome our God is though. All these things, He needed all of these things in play. And He's writing these things down with people who have no idea what they're writing as far as a scientific thing is going on. And people who tore this thing apart for its scientific stuff, they were wrong. I don't know if they'll ever admit to being wrong, but they were wrong. God wrote it, even though people were ignorant of what was going on. They still wrote the things that were happening. So God put all this stuff up there. And I don't, God didn't put it up there because eventually he says, you know what, I'm going to want to judge the earth, and so that's why I had the water right here, and I can just, you know, I don't go anywhere to get it. He actually had it up there to help man out. Because it was intended for, for man to live forever. 
And man messed it up. And even after man messed it up, God still left the firmament in place. He knew taking that away would shorten their lifespan quite a bit. But He still left it in place. And then in the flood of Noah, He took it down. And when we get into the flood of Noah, we'll get into some of the things that went on, on with that. But these three days were very much tied in. I want you to get a chance to, to see them so that you understand. Because people sometimes are going to come against things in, in the creation. And in order to be a witness to them, you need to be able to explain to them somewhat intelligently. You know, you have to need all the details, but you need to have at least some, some kind of thing with it here. And you want to be able to tell them what went on and what happened. So that's why we study the things in the book of Genesis. Not telling us how to be victorious over the devil. It's not telling us how to be prosperous or how to get healthy. But it is telling us some things to help reach other people. Because some people are hung up on this who are not believers. And they see the Bible as teaching this kind of inferior stuff. And they don't know how superior the Bible is in all these, these sort of things. But it is a phenomenally accurate, scientifically accurate book. Father, we thank you for the greatness that your word shows us of how phenomenal you are. Boy, your plans were from the beginning. They were great. They still are great. Boy, it's something else for us. We get the chance to see all the things that you did. And whether you did it in a day, a week, or thousands of years, makes no difference to us. You're still God. And as long as you took, it was fine. And we thank you for giving us a story and letting us know that we can help others see the greatness of our God who created all things through the hand of Jesus Christ. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, any comments or questions? Things to add? Yeah, there was no need for rain. Now, it's not that it may not have ever rained on the earth because we don't know in the earth beforehand where they have, did they have a firmament or would they have rain upon the earth. We don't know about that. But as far as we can tell, yeah, it didn't rain on the, uh, on the earth for Noah until, until Noah. This firmament was there. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, just once you get an idea from this, this was not just a cloud cover. This was a heavy amount of water that circled the entire earth it was a lot. God sucked up all the, at least a lot of the water, I don't know about all of it, but a lot of the water and made dry land out of the flood that was there. Mm-hmm. Well, there's, we, we see the clouds that are up there now, but it's not a covering like it was. We've told you before the number one global warming gas is Remember? Number one global warming gas. By far, nothing's even close at number two or number three or number four. It should be actually the top ten, but you can only count one. Water. Water is the top number one global warming gas. And you can explain that real easily to anybody. If it's a cloudy day, what's it going to be? Cooler. If it's a sunny day, it's going to be warmer. Everybody knows that. We're all pretty smart with that. But when you get that, when you get a cloud cover in there, now see, the clouds will stop the sun's rays from coming down in the daytime. But clouds also prevent the heat from rising in the nighttime. So if you have a cloudy night, you will have a warmer night. If you have a 
open night where there's no clouds in the sky at all, it will be colder than it would have been if there was a cloud cover that was there. Because it prevents the heat from just going up. Kind of acts like a blanket right over top of the uh, over top of the earth. So that is the number. That actually affects um, multiple degrees per day. <laughs> just just in this effect right there. Uh, CO2 has no effect on it. In fact, I've even heard some recent stats that the CO2 count, they keep trying to measure this, and it's really minuscule, the amount of it, but it actually seems to follow the, atmosphere, the atmospheric conditions, not the other way around. So they're kind of leery about giving away all that because it seems that as the Earth's temperature, when I, when I talk about it warming, we're talking about an increments of fractions of uh, degrees, overall decades being you know, maybe half a degree or something like that, but as it goes up, then the CO2 kind of follows it, and as it goes down, the CO2 kind of follows it. <laughs> it's right behind it. So it seems that the CO2 is affected more by the, the warming and natural warming and cooling of the Earth, no more so than by our SUVs. But again, there's no real reason to be concerned over CO2 because it does not cause global warming. Go over to Mercury. How much CO2 is on the, in the atmosphere of Mercury? Should be a lot, as hot as it is, huh? You know why Mercury's hot? Because it's close to the sun. That's an excuse that a lot of these global warming folks just don't want to look at. We are, you all know the, I told you this before, didn't I? Sunspots have been uh, down. Sun activity, sun storms have been down to the lowest level. In fact, there hasn't been uh, solar flares or things like that for a while. Mm-hmm. And that's really what has caused the Earth to cool over the last number of years, is the lack of this kind of activity. When it picks up again, we will see an uh, increase in, in all those things. That's really what affects us more than, more than all that. Some of the things in Revelation, as we talked about before, could be in relation to extreme solar flares. An extreme solar flare can do all kinds of damage to the earth. Yeah. Shah is a, uh, what I have from it, again, I am not a Hebrew scholar. This is what I have on the word Shah. Shah is the part of the word that means heaven, but it primarily means gate. Oh. It takes more faith to believe that. It really does. What you now get to this part? What did you all think about the numbers? Oh, yes. <laughs> I thought it was. I thought it was interesting. I mean, you don't go out and uh, you know get people saved over anything like that, but. <laughs> I just thought it was interesting. Mostly what caught my interest on it was that the units of measure would not have matched anything until the end times when we were using a mile. That's why I, uh, he, he threw me at first while he was getting into the when the mile was came up, but then, oh, now I see why that he, it was important for it to come in there late. And um, just it just shows the awesomeness of God. If God put those numbers built in, to that degree with a unit of measure that was not even ex- in existence then and then says that in the end times the sun and moon will be a sign in measurements. <laughs> I mean, whoa. <laughs> and, then, and then the person that came up with it, you know, the Queen, Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, you know, she, instituted just, you know, she yeah. just instituted the mind. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to do this. This is what it's going to be. And we've all followed suit yeah, ever since then. <laughs> Yeah, that's what caught me as being amazing. That's just uh, such an awesome God. 
who can write all that part in. And certainly they are the two most important structures in the, and one's not, not, maybe you can find some others that were important, but God was really stern on them. You will make it this size. You will not veer off. You will make it this way. Yeah. There, there had to, always has to be something in there, so I thought that was interesting. We just bring that out. You imagine if they were just off by a few inches, they'd start all over. <laughs> What'd you have, Elizabeth? Um, yeah, not in the Bible. The Book of Enoch, yeah. You could probably find it online. Yes. You can find anything online. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Well, that's what he was bringing in. That, that we're able to find this stuff out. We were, we didn't know this before. We wouldn't. He, when he brought out that the sun and moon were measured in the last fifty years, no one before then could have found out that these numbers meant anything. But up until Queen Elizabeth instituted the mile, those measurements wouldn't have meant anything, because it's only the mile that makes them uh, legitimate. All the way back to the cubit. Yeah. Yeah. It was, <laughs> Or as he says, how did he pronounce it? Cubit. 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 <laughs> I don't know if that's actually correct, but it sounds scholarly anyway. <laughs> but anyway, I just happened upon that. I thought, uh, well, if I could find a way to get this over here to you, that'd be... Been... But just about anything you want to know, I'll tell you what, you can type it into the internet anymore and you can find something on there that somebody's got it somewhere. And I just think that's the coolest thing. Bible study is so much faster now because yeah. the... you can get up there on the internet and find all sorts of... Here I thought God liked three, seven, or Yeah, no, he says that's only touching the surface, so I wonder if they have anything more up there that you can go and... That's all that came up for me on North Foundation, but uh, I didn't play around with it a whole lot. You can all can... But it was funny, the significance of the six days around Jericho, but not the seventh day. No numbers. Yeah. He didn't calculate, he didn't calculate them into it, now. <laughs> that's why I said Jericho kind of threw me a little, ah, not sure about that 360 degrees, ah, I don't know about all that sort of thing. If it was really together, <clears throat> something would happen with that seventh yeah. day. Yeah. I'm sure of it. Yeah, but see, I'm not sitting around with a calculator figuring all that stuff out. <laughs> Other people have that anointing. That's not mine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, there is quite a bit of science to it. And I love that show Numbers. They really, uh, you ever oh, seen that one? Oh, I love it. I love the, uh, the way they're able to, to take some of the complexities of math and really break it down to where you can use it. That is just a really interesting show. My son doesn't like it. He has, we have to watch that on our own. <laughs> he does not like numbers. <laughs> we just watch it together. I'm a, I like numbers. That's a, that's a, I just get into the math. I really don't get into the rest of the show. I just I like the math. It's like, all right, how are you going to make math? By math, I can figure out where you're going to go and where you're going to run away to. It's like, 
Come on. That's a, yeah, it does it does work, I'll tell you. But yeah, math is God is just such an awesome God, all this stuff works. These are all formulas and these are all things that he's put into play. And you need so much math. Jeremy says, Mom, when I get to college, do I have to take math? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I didn't take any in, in, in college. What? Yeah. Isn't everything taught in math? No. It depends on the school you go to. Depends on the school, what you go to, and what your major is, what you got to do. I didn't need any math. I'm not, I wasn't afraid of taking math. I didn't. I just didn't. It wasn't necessary. And Yeah. Well, see, ours is the other way around. Everybody's taking Bible no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take, uh, you will take Bible courses. That's it. Depends on the school. Because he has points where he struggles with it and he hopes that it'll be over soon. Please, will I ever be done with this? But I don't think Really? Anything else to add? Well, if you want, you can check out that firmament.org on your own. Show it to anybody that uh, that you see and let them enjoy some of the things that are there.